I am wondering, especially like in the earlier, in the earlier days of music therapy, when it was, when it was more of an evolving field, do you think in your experience or just in the field in general, um, is that, is that normally the experience that hospitals are so um, open and receptive to like forms of integrative care, like music therapy, or do you think there are often more barriers or it's harder to make that those services more accessible to people? Oh, it is the latter. It yeah. unfortunately, um, healthcare is about watching the, uh, the bottom line. Right. Uh, and, um, and yet music therapy services are not very expensive. You can hire a, a part-time music therapist to start. And um, the outcomes in a medical center, for instance, could be that patients require less pain medication mm -hmm. because they're able to manage their pain through music. Right. Or that they, they're experiencing less anxiety and the anxiety that they have can exacerbate their symptoms. So these actually become cost-effective strategies That's really to educate people in music therapy practices, just as you did in my, in my class, right. and to empower them to have this whole set of practices mm -hmm. that is rather simple. Right. Um, and it doesn't have side effects like medication has. Yeah. And and so in time, um when, once the research data become clearer and more um available to the decision makers. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Once it becomes clearer to the decision makers in healthcare and in education that that this can be a cost effective strategy this this can be very effective for patients in many different outcomes wow. uh, that's when they begin to listen that makes sense <laughs> and, and consider um how a, a music therapist can really benefit uh both the the hospital and the staff as well as the patients and the families. And I have to say, in, in coming to Boston, um, it wasn't just Dana-Farber where we developed music therapy programs because music therapy was rather unheard of right. uh, here. There was music therapy at the Community Music Center uh, of Boston, but in the hospitals, they, they really weren't uh, doing this. And, um, and so being at Berkeley, I had... Um, access to some funding mm -hmm. because our students needed clinical sites to learn the trade. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was in a position to offer model demonstration programs, wow. just like I described at Dana-Farber. Mm -hmm. And so we went into Mass General and, um, and into Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. And now Children's Hospital, I believe, has five or six music therapists on staff uh, in their child life program. Um, MGH has several music therapists. It's actually MGB now, uh, mm -hmm. Mass General Brigham. Right. Um, and so once people 
the consumers, the patients and families, as well as the leadership, see the impact of music therapy, they sign on and they hire music therapists. It sells itself. Right. The problem is that most people aren't aware mm-hmm. of the field and what it can do. Right. That's so interesting. I didn't even think about the, obviously it's mutually beneficial for both the, the music therapists and the families, but even the hospital side of the, the cost, the, the how, how cost effective it is and how, how it's, how it's reducing anxiety and pain. That's really interesting. Yeah. And you may not know this, but, but some of the um, Medicare funding for hospitals is based on uh, patient satisfaction. Right. Right. And so when patients are happy, they get more funds. <laughs> It's amazing, and, yeah. And music therapy is very well um, respected by by patients. Once they get into it, um, they instantly see changes, and they see that they have a tool when they need it, um, and that they can really develop skills that will help them cope with their illnesses help them deal with uh, the uh, stressors related to having an injury or an illness. Um, And that's just one example, really. Definitely. Um, While we're discussing um, music therapy as it relates to the the context of a hospital, I'm wondering, I know you've worked with so many different patient populations, and I know some of the most prominent ones would be cancer patients. um, And I know you've also worked with people with Alzheimer's and dementia. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, what it's like to work with the different patient populations and maybe how your approach varies depending on the patient population that you're working with. Yes, well, it certainly does. But I would say that it's the individual differences or the, I should put it differently, I should say the uniqueness of every individual okay. that guides the um, treatment plan. Mm-hmm. So a music therapist is not just picking a set of techniques to use. They are assessing the person's needs. Mm -hmm. They're assessing uh, the person's background and relationship to music. Mm -hmm. And they are then developing a personalized treatment plan based on that assessment. And the clinical goals and objectives will be the guiding force. Mm -hmm. So someone with cancer may just um, need to need to have a living legacy mm-hmm. and want to create music and record music for their loved ones right as a as a living legacy beautiful. Um, uh, people with with Alzheimer's disease have a very different um, profile. They, um, their cognitive abilities obviously are compromised. Mm -hmm. And so there, our clinical goals may be to have them become aware of their environment, Mm -hmm. to have them improve the quality of of their lives and their responsiveness to the outside world. Mm -hmm. And, and so we may actually use some of the similar techniques. We might we might be singing. Right. <laughs> we might be singing familiar songs, but the whole treatment plan is based on those goals mm. and it's tailored to the objectives that will meet the individual's needs. 
That makes sense. Yeah, what you're saying about more of an individual approach rather than grouping grouping patient populations together makes a lot of sense. You did mention something that I think is really interesting, which is when you're um, when you're working with someone who has a musical background versus someone who doesn't have a musical background, and you know all of the the entire spectrum in between. So, how does that does that does that guide how you're how you're working with um, with patients? Well, the, the person's musical background, of course, is quite relevant. Definitely. But um, but as you ask this question, I'm reminded of so many times when um, a patient is referred to music therapy because they are a musician. Mm. So the nurse or physician or social worker say, oh, you're a musician. Oh, we've got a music therapist. Meet the music therapist. And they assume that music therapy will, will be a viable treatment for them. And sometimes, you know what? It can be contraindicated wow. because there's a gentleman who um, has cancer and it's affecting the bones and he can no longer play the guitar. He's a guitarist. He's a professional guitarist. So I come in and he's reminded of the losses that he can no longer do what he trained for so long to do. Wow, yeah. So it's, um, there are many considerations regarding um, how music therapy can help and cases in which it may not be the treatment of choice. Right, that's interesting. So many considerations that, that, you don't even you don't even realize until you have that kind of experience in the field. And again, it is about what what you were, were talking about earlier, and that is that it is an individualized, personalized assessment. Mm -hmm. So we just can't make assumptions that because a person has Alzheimer's that they're going to be responsive immediately mm -hmm. to music. Music could be overly stimulating for mm -hmm. some people, mm -hmm. and they need more more silence and more very gentle touch or or something more visceral. And in the case of this gentleman uh, who was a musician, we obviously don't want to emphasize the losses. We want to really develop the skills and interests. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's really interesting. As, as you're talking about um the kind of the, the things that you might not realize at first when you're when you're working with a patient or all the different considerations that you have to make as a music therapist that maybe the average the average person wouldn't even think about at first. I mm -hmm. bet there are a lot of similar mis huge misconceptions about the fields of music therapy. So I'm wondering um, what do you think are some of the most the most significant misconceptions about music therapy and what um, what do you think is important to correct about those misconceptions? Well, uh... You are right. There, there are many misconceptions because I think music therapists are working in a very intimate space, and very few people have had the privilege of witnessing mm -hmm. a music therapy session. So they, they really are just guessing mm -hmm. at what it could be. And so many say, oh, well, you must be just playing for patients. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that sometimes I do play for patients, but right. it's part of a very specific plan to offer uh, soothing if they're agitated mm -hmm. and teaching them the kinds of music that they will need when they feel agitated, which may be very different than anyone else. 
Right. So, so the the myth about playing for for patients, um, you can see that that's an assumption people would make. Well, right. what else might you do? And yet, music therapists are actively creating music with people, giving them that communication tool, mm-hmm. allowing them to express themselves, and developing their creativity. Because when we nurture the creative abilities that we all have within us, I think that we help people creatively problem solve. Mm-hmm. And we help people think more positively. And people see the beauty of the world rather than the messes that we've made as humans. Definitely. And because music therapy is definitely still a development field and a lot of people don't know about it, even, even music, people who are very proficient in music might not have ever heard of the therapeutic side of things. Do you think that a similar misconception or, or maybe underestimation of the field of music therapy is um, maybe p- people doubt how, how effective it is or how, you know, people grounded in, in the very um, Western scientific medical basis for, um, for care. I think, I don't know if you, if you've, if you've had encounters with, with that kind of mindset, how you, um, how you explain to people or how you, how you make um, something that's not completely grounded in very like technical scientific Western knowledge. Uh, more, more widespread and more widely accepted. Well, I'm glad you asked the question because there is a growing base of clinical evidence mm-hmm. for various outcomes mm-hmm. based on certain music therapy practices, mm-hmm. and um, and so I I proudly can uh, speak to those who are demanding scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. We have, thanks to the new technologies, more understanding about how music affects the brain. Mm-hmm. And we have, in fact, a, a whole branch of music therapy practice called neurologic music therapy, mm-hmm. which um, bases the techniques on those those mechanisms mm-hmm. in the brain that are helping people regain mobility, for instance. Mm-hmm. So people with Parkinson's disease who have very rigid gait and maybe shuffling and and have difficulty just just walking from one room to the next um, with the rhythmic stimulus of music Mm -hmm. that entrains a response that is regular and fluid. There's some amazing cases of people who could not ambulate between two points and the music comes on and it serves as a go signal. Wow. And entrains that regular movement in rhythm. Uh, The technique is actually called uh, rhythmic auditory stimulation, RAS. And it's very effective Mm -hmm. even with people who have strokes and are in rehabilitation and learning to walk again that's incredible wow it's it's amazing how music can have such such physical impacts that i think a lot of people don't realize unless they look at the research which is it's amazing that it's a growing body of research like you said there there really is and and you have to dig into the medical journals uh, to find it but they the the evidence is there and and building 